Welcome to the education game. I'm uh, Dr. Scott. He's Matt. I am. So glad to have all of you uh, with us today. Uh, I think we've got a uh, exciting show. We're going to start out with some plays of the week. And uh, then uh, Matt's got a real uh, interesting interview with a couple of young uh, learners. They were on another radio show or a radio segment. And uh, Matt followed up with these two girls. I think you'll find the interview quite uh, intriguing. And then we're going to finish up uh, the show with uh, what we always uh, consider to be the big game, something to keep your eyes and ears attuned to. So uh, so let's get started, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm well. I'm ready to go, man. Yeah. So I guess the first play uh, of the week I don't know whether anyone saw this article, but uh, I saw it uh, this week. Uh, It was entitled, The Interesting Thing About Interests. The entire article talks about what you and I have talked about, Matt, many times with parents, and that is don't get nervous by starting your learning journey around interests that your child or your children currently have. Now, it seems to me like the problem with a lot of schools is they either don't choose to do that Mm. or they feel as though they can't do it. What do you think about that, Matt? Oh, well, I tell you, that is tying directly into the interview that I had with uh, these two young ladies. Um, yeah, the, the the idea of starting with the kid's interest means you're starting with motivation. Um, and it, it really, I mean, I can understand why a school may not pursue the child's interest because now you've got 30 kids in your classroom and you now have to deal with every single kid's individual interests and that's hard to manage. But but my goodness, if we're learning is what we're about, that we've got to start there, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, those two girls, uh, you want to share with the uh, uh, listeners uh, some background on the two young ladies? Sure. Happy to. Uh, So it's Lily and Piper. They're a middle schooler, a first an incoming middle schooler uh, and an incoming high schooler in the same family uh, here in Houston. And, uh, you know, Laura Eisensee from KUHF, who, again, I think we're both big fans of hers. uh, She interviewed them, but I said, you know, I want to follow up with them. Now, they're friends of ours. We've known each other for probably seven, eight years. And so it was easy to easy call to make. Um, but what we discovered is there's a whole bunch of questions that I think are really important that weren't asked uh, of these two students. And we tried to go into depth with that a little bit during our interview. Yeah. And, you, and, and you're going to get into those questions on the next segment, right? That's right. In four minutes, yeah. we're going to get started. Awesome. All right, second play uh, play of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one. The title of the article was uh, "Reshaping Talent Development: Pandemic Edition." And uh, so the whole crux of the article basically said that schools are ill prepared to follow through on online learning or out of school learning because no one in the school knows how to, uh, the article talks about teaching. They, they don't know how to teach that way. Mm. And so I'm thinking to myself when I'm reading this, um, I don't know, what's, what's the medical analogy? Um, having a whole bunch of sick folks and 
doctors that don't know sort of the new methodology to get uh, to a cure? Yeah, I think I've got one. I've got one that may be better. So, uh, you know, there are some illnesses that are really about what happens outside of the clinic. Um, so, you know, diabetes management, for example. Um, if, a, if a doctor sends a patient home but doesn't understand the context of that home, uh, that, that diabetes could rage because the behaviors that are happening in the home are not aligned with, uh, with health. And so I would say that the, uh, the, the primary care, the analogy is that the primary care doctor, being the teachers in this case, have never stepped foot in the home of these families. And therefore, they don't really understand what needs to happen to help the child learn in the context of the home. Has anybody ever told you that you sound a lot like Cory Booker? <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to run for Senate in, uh, where is he, New Jersey? New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, no, no one's told me that. But uh, thank you. That people have told me I look a lot like Denzel Washington. Now they've told me that. I, a lot. Well, you don't look like Denzel Washington at all, but you sound a lot <laughs> like Cory Booker. Now, right. did I tell you? Uh, someone listened to uh, our podcast, and uh, you know who they think I sound like? Um, I don't know, Donald Duck. Did maybe? we talk about this already? No, I don't think so. Who, who do they think you sound like? Uh, well, he he used to be a senator. Um, Al Franken. Oh, that's right. Al Franken. Yes. The man who could have been president. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Al Franken. Yeah. Well, let's not get into yeah. politics, man. We got a lot. We've got a lot of, uh, we've got listeners on. All right. Do we, have, do we have we uh, time for one more play? I think we do. We've got a minute and a half. Right. We've got about a minute and a half. All yep. right. Um, I saw this, this, this actually came out of uh, Houston uh, from uh, Harmony Public Schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are actually starting a badge system for all of their learners hmm. around competencies oh, interesting. and credentialing, right? So they're, they're getting out of grades and, and uh, you know, that, that, that type of traditional stuff. What I thought was, wouldn't it be neat if the education game started to offer credentialing to parents? Yes. Right. Yes. So that's something that uh, we should think about. Right. Well, I, I, you know, let's, let's talk about it. I think, uh, you know, parents credentialed on how to support learning outside of the home, how to support uh, lifelong learners. That's a, that's a great credential to, to uh, aspire towards. Yeah. So let's do this. Maybe, maybe we talk about that uh, a little more at the, uh, at the end of the program. Yeah. Uh, Let's get uh, to the next segment. Um, The interview with uh, Lillian Piper. Uh, He's Matt, I'm Scott, and this is The Education Game. Now, I'm going to take a moment to thank the sponsor for this show, Community Health Choice, which is an insurance company focusing on kids and families. Now, why would an insurance company sponsor a conversation about education? Well, the answer is because it's all connected. Child's physical health, their mental health, their academic health, it's all connected. And Community Health Choice realizes that families are central to the health of a child, whether that is in school, whether that is in the medical environment. So thank you, Community Health Choice, for sponsoring this show, and thanks for your leadership in the community as well. Well, I am so excited to 
welcome two uh, young ladies to the show. Uh, these are friends of ours from, gosh, what has it been, six or seven years now, girls? Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, we've been on a swim team together. This is Lily and Piper Jordan. They were recently interviewed by Laura Eisensee, a big I'm a big fan of Laura Eisensee at uh, KUHF, uh, in the NPR station here in Houston. And they did a great job talking about education in their school and some of the challenges that they're running into. I wanted to follow up with them to ask a bit more, to find out some questions that I want to know that I think could be instructive and insightful to other parents. So, ladies, thank you for being a part of the education game. Yeah. Good deal. All right. So here, let me go ahead and start with my questions. The, the first one really is, remind everyone your ages. I'm 11 years old. And that's... Um, I'm Lily and I'm 14 years old. Right. So 11 and 14. So you guys both started, let's see, Piper, you were starting middle school this year, right? Yeah. And and uh, and Lily, you were starting high school. Yes. Got it. All right. So a very unusual time to go into this COVID space. So let me ask you some questions. Now, now our at the education game, we believe a couple things. We believe that kids know more about what they want to learn than adults give them credit for. We also believe that kids are much more um, aware, intelligent, capable than t- typically uh, adults give them credit. And I'm going to prove that today. So you, you you haven't been coached for this conversation, right? Your parents didn't, you know, talk to you about any of this, right? No. Okay. Well, I did talk to your dad just to make sure that I could ask probing questions. He was like, "Listen, this is this is part of their learning, so go ha- ask away." So so let's go. So the first question is, um, I want you to tell me what's one thing that you think that people misunderstand about kids your age ages 11 and 14. What's one thing you think adults misunderstand about you? Um, I personally think that a lot of them think we're on our phones way too much, mm-hmm. but sometimes <laughs> kids use their phones to, they watch videos and it's just a way that they're exploring. They're exploring the world that way. So in some different cases, but um, it also try it also helps you find who you really are and what you want to be as a person. And so it's I just think parents don't understand that as much. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was Lily, correct? Yes. Okay. Piper, you got anything to add to that? One thing that you think adults don't understand about eleven uh, year olds? I think adults don't understand how social we need to be. Hmm. So it's really hard during this because you can't be as social with as many people. Right. And I right. think kids need to be more social than we're allowed to be during the pandemic. Hmm. Excellent. Great points. Um, and so let me let me go into that last point a little bit. When you say social, how is how is social virtual social different than virtual face to face social? It's very different because. I think being in person, you kind of just have this emotional connection Hmm. and it's a lot easier to hang around someone in person. But when you're virtual, you don't really know what to talk about. It's Mm -hmm. kind of awkward and somewhat embarrassing Hmm. because you're kind of just sitting there and not saying anything. This is Piper. Um... I think it's different because, like, if you are with another person instead of, like, on a FaceTime or doing something, unless there's, like, some sort of app on your phone Mm -hmm. or on an iPad or something, there's no way to, like, 
actually connect with someone, to actually talk to someone, mm. unless it's through a screen, which isn't as fun. Yeah. Because yeah. that's all. Yep. Well, you know, I've, I've noticed uh, I've, I've, as I've been doing my work, um, the screen, you lose some of the um, flexibility of conversation that it's it's very stilted, very kind of limited. It, it's hard to get really personal, as an example. It's hard to really disclose things that are real sensitive. Um, sometimes you don't know if it's a, if it's really a, a, a truly private conversation sometimes. So now, so I want to change this a little bit now to the classroom. Now you guys are doing virtual instruction. Um, yes. I want to, yeah, I want to understand what is one thing that you think virtual instruction does well. And then I'm going to come back and ask you one thing that you think virtual instruction really misses the mark on. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about that. What do you think? Okay. So this is Lily. I think virtual instruction is very good because there's not as many distractions during the class. Mm. So in my classes, I've noticed that the teacher talks, no one interrupts because no one wants to unmute themselves. Um, a lot of people don't want to share, but it's we get our work done and our teachers get their lectures done without any interruptions, and it only takes about 40, 45 minutes. So hmm. it's a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. Piper, you agree with that? Uh, yes, I definitely agree with that. Except for, like, some part on the end, because it's very different for my classes, because we do have people that will shout out in the middle of class, and they won't use the raise your hand button, or they won't mm -hmm. be like, okay, I'm going to ask a question. They just shout out in the middle of our teacher giving instruction. Yeah, yeah. And so our teacher never really can get it, it done, and we always have, like, connection issues. And a bunch of students can't get their work done because you can't turn in your work because of something on the internet that's blocking you. And there's always problems about, like, the internet. There's always problems Yeah, that. technical problems, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so so let me – well, this is interesting. So well, well, let me ask you this question. Has, has any adult uh, in your school asked you guys how virtual learning is going or really asked you any of these questions that I'm posing to you today? Yes. They have. Tell me more about that. Um, so my English teacher, we do these warm-ups, and sometimes in the warm-ups she'll put questions like you're asking us and how we're feeling about it or if we're overwhelmed with too much work or how virtual is going or if, like, we have a good workspace or if we, like, would enjoy going in school better. But they always ask um, – my English teacher always asks us these questions to make sure we're doing okay. Hmm. Nice, nice. That was Piper, correct? Yes. Yeah. How about you, Lily? Um, so I do have some teachers who, like, will give out surveys and ask how we're doing, how virtual is going, um, if we're stressed, and if there's anything you just really need to talk about. But, um, but other than that, there's not a whole lot of adults asking us about how virtual is going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, that's been, that's been the experience of most of the families I've spoken with. Um, there's not, there's really not much conversation with the students around like, how's this working? How can we improve it? 
uh, what what you know what's working well, what's not, and you know how do we eliminate the things that are not working well? So let's get to that question. Tell me some of the things that you're seeing in virtual instruction that you are concerned about, either for yourself or for your you know friends that you that you're uh, sharing a classmate or sharing class with. Um, first, I think it's really disconcerting that um, kids don't want to talk. So mm. I have teachers who will separate us into groups for like class projects and no one wants to talk because they're too embarrassed and they it's like if we were in person i don't think any any of that would happen do you think they're not talking because they're embarrassed or they're not talking because they're doing other things um i think it's both personally but i i don't know why they don't talk so is this a situation where the screen they they they're they're hidden their view is hidden from the screen, and a question might be posed by you or another student and and no one else responds? Is that what goes on? Yeah. So sometimes the teachers will call on a kid, um, and they no one has their cameras on ever. Um, everyone's mm-hmm. muted, and the teacher will call on someone, and it, it'll just be dead silence. Yeah. No one will answer yeah. the question. And so it's. Yeah, let me let me go into that a little bit because, you know, everyone's doing virtual instruction and virtual meetings. And I know that I am sometimes guilty of putting my uh, picture up and then walking away from the computer to take care of something else. Or maybe I'm working on something else while the meeting is going on. Are, do you know of students that are doing things like that? And I'll put this to both of you. Um, Piper, do you want to say something? Yes, there are people that do that. They will, like, turn on their cameras and then they'll, like, I don't even know what what they do, but I know that they're going somewhere to do something because you can hear them doing something else. Mm. But, like, you never know exactly what they're doing. And I was going to say something about people aren't, like, talking. Yeah, please. So I think it's because that people aren't talking because, like, they don't want to set a reputation for themselves before they even like get to see another person. They don't want to set a bad reputation. Because hmm. no matter what you say, if you're in school or out of school, if you say something, some kid will find a way to pit that against you. Oh, interesting. And embarrass you or tease you because of your answer that was wrong and things like that? Yeah. And so they don't want to set a reputation for themselves. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That makes sense. But um, it's a lot easier to get away with eating during class, too. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Hey, let me let me put you on hold one second. I got to take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. This is the education game. Okay, we're back with the education game, speaking with Lily and Piper, uh, who are uh, 14 and 11, respectively. Uh, high school, freshman, middle school, uh, seventh grader, uh, excuse me, sixth grader. And we're talking about uh, virtual learning, what they're learning about virtual learning. All right. So now I'm going to blow your minds. All right. Because I'm going to ask you guys to tell me if you were in charge of your learning. And I I want you to take a moment to answer this because I want it to be thoughtful. If you were in charge of your learning, what things would you want to learn about? Recently, I've become very interested in animal bones. Hmm. This this sounds really weird because we've been going to the beach a lot recently. And actually, mm-hmm. last night, I dug up some bird head 
and it was really cool and there were still teeth. But I think I would really like to learn more about the bone structure of animals and try to like, I think I want to be an um, archaeologist. I think that's what it is. That dig Yeah, up. or paleon- paleontologist. Yeah. yeah. I think I want to learn more about that. How interesting. Okay, so we'll come back to that. Piper, what about you? Anything that you are like noticing you're curious about that you'd like to go deeper on? Not really. There's nothing yeah. that I'm really interested in. Perfectly acceptable answer because, frankly, there's a lot of adults who don't really know what they're interested in yet because they've actually never been given the opportunity to explore it, to ask the question, right? So that's what I'm getting at here. Right now, in my view... And in the work that we do, we believe that this is this incredible opportunity for students to explore areas that they normally do not get the opportunity to explore because there is a curriculum that tells them exactly what they must study next, right? Do you, you guys feel that, right? That, that you, you don't get a chance to say, I, I'm curious about that. Can we go deeper into that subject, right? Yeah. Okay. So paleontology. I will tell you that we had a uh, podcast with uh, a woman who used to work at Pomona University in their admissions office. Her her husband is a geologist who, again, someone who studies rocks, but he also knows a lot about paleontology and a bunch of other, uh, you know, the, the, the archaeology, essentially. And so he started an online class with his two neighbor uh, neighbor kids who are, I think, uh, seven and ten, I think is their ages. And he's teaching them. First about geology, and then he went to paleontology, and now he's moved on to, I think, light. So here's another interesting question. If you are sitting in front of a computer screen and you had the opportunity to go deeper into paleontology, would you be interested in, in, in changing the Zoom link from your, your school science course to uh, you know, having a conversation with a geologist about paleontology? Would that be something of interest to you? Yeah. Yeah. So why 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 is that not an opportunity and why is that do you think not offered to students given that you're in you're you're on the virtual web. I mean you're on you know on the on the world wide web and with a click of a button you could find uh, all sorts of information about paleontology or archaeology, right? I mean classes, uh you know reports, documentaries, all that stuff is available with just a few clicks. Why do you think that doesn't is not offered to you in school when you have this interest in in paleontology. Teachers, I don't. I just think they're trying. If they let everyone just join a Zoom meeting with other like geologists, I don't think teachers would get would be getting paid because hmm. there's not a whole lot of. I mean, there's a bunch of teachers right now, and they're already not being paid what they're usually paid because they're not in person. So I think it's a lot harder for them to yeah. just let teachers go. Yeah. Well, and there's no doubt that not only teachers aren't being paid uh, because of the COVID situation, but they're, they've never been paid enough, right? So that's a, it's a whole conversation we could get into. The, the thing I'm trying to get here, though, is you have expressed an area of, of interest to you. And I believe, and let me ask you this question. Do you believe that if uh, if what's called personalized learning, meaning starting with the question of what are you interested in, student, and then beginning that learning with whatever your answer is, uh, do you think that you would be more interested in studying deeply and doing homework assignments and, you know, instead of uh, being on your phone during the Zoom meeting, 
but actually studying the thing that you've expressed interest in? Do you think you'd be more engaged and more uh, supportive of your learning or less? Um, more, definitely more engaged. Of, of course, right? That's always the answer, by the way. Uh, if, if you express interest or if Lily, if you're, or I'm sorry, Piper, if you're exploring things that you might find interest in and you find something that you're curious about, all research points to that individual, uh, their learning goes way up, their engagement, meaning no one has to tell them to study because now they're like you're, you're doing, Lily, you're studying bones that you're seeing on the beach. So what we're trying to do with the education game is to encourage kids and families to begin this dialogue and a, and a bit of a negotiation around, hey, I've, ex- I've discovered some things I'm really I'm curious about. I'd like to go deeper into this area. And, and really, it's a conversation with the parent and eventually a conversation with the school around how do I weave paleontology or archaeology into my science curriculum, into my history into my mathematics, because there's a ton of mathematics and science, of course. Um, And to me, that is the place where uh, real excited learning begins. And right now, since you guys are, now I'm preaching, of course, but right now, since you guys are are learning virtually, those opportunities have never been closer. But uh, mm-hmm. but our structure has not allowed for that to happen. So that's that's something maybe you guys may want to ask um, ask your parents about. For you, Piper, if you're not sure of things that you're curious about, to me there's this interesting opportunity about well, let's start discovering, right? Let's start exploring things. Um, P- Lily, you wouldn't have mentioned archaeology what uh, six months ago, would you? Uh, probably not. No. Right. So you discovered something on the beach. That started you thinking, wow, that's interesting. I wonder where this came from. What kind of bird this is? This is, or is it a bird, or is it something else? Uh, what other bones might I find out here? Right. That discovery led to now an, int- an area of curiosity. Now let's switch this around. Imagine if the teacher had said, "Okay, guys, we're now going to study archaeology. Get out your books, change, turn to page fifty-seven, and we're going to begin reading about archaeology on page fifty-seven." Do you think you would have the same curiosity curiosity about archaeology now that you do uh, after your discovery? I don't think I would because I don't I don't think reading about it is as interesting as actually doing it. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's the hands-on experience that really makes you interested in something. That's right. Well, that's exactly right. And again, there's a ton of research that confirms what you just said. Here are the last questions for you guys. The next one is, in six months, what is something that you might want to become an expert in? This is a hard question. It is. And that's actually part of my point, Lily and Piper. If you're not asked the question, it's hard to answer it. And most students have, n- have never been asked the question, what do you want to become good at? What do you want to learn more about? What do you want to explore? How do you want to explore? Is it on the beach? Is it digging holes in a yard or a park someplace, right? There's all these ways to learn, but uh, historically, uh, the school has been identified as the only location for learning, uh, but we know that that is... Uh, that's not true. So here's the thing I will ask you guys to maybe or encourage you to maybe start a conversation with your parents about this question of, I'm not sure in your case, Piper, I'm not sure what I'm curious about. How could I learn uh, things that I might discover to be curious about? Does that make sense? 
Yeah. Piper. Yeah. So so that could be a conversation. Yeah, that could be a conversation with your parents that you can initiate. Um, and then for you, Lily, I mean, you mentioned archaeology, and you mentioned that that you there are you know there are things out there that you would be interested in and curious about, uh, but you're not quite sure uh, when when asked. To, to name them. Maybe there's a place for you and your parents to brainstorm some things. Uh, and then over the next, you know, weeks or months, begin building what we call a learning plan that uh, figures out how best you'd like to learn that area or become more expert or, or better, uh, uh, deeper understanding in that area. Um, all this to me is the new model of education that has long been possible because of technology uh, but only now, because kids are in this kind of new educational structure, can they begin to explore things that are uniquely interested or uniquely of interest to them. Uh, and that opens up an incredible different approach to to learning. So I encourage you to, to have a conversation with your parents about that. And if they don't, if they have questions, they can call me and I'll be happy to give them some coaching around how to build a learning plan on on almost any subject. Right? There's some kids who've said, I'm really curious about video games. I'm like, awesome. There is a absolute amazing learning plan that we can build that will teach you the history of video games, the financing behind video games, the leadership and the science and technology about video games, the mathematics. I mean, all the psychology, all this stuff about video games. Uh, and, and the kids who have started that journey have come away going, this is awesome. I love learning. And that is the point. I want every student to love learning, not just in school, but for their entire lives. That's my prayer for you guys and my hope. And so let's go ahead and conclude this today and uh, tell your parents I said hello and thanks again for your time. Okay, we will. Okay, guys. Take care. Bye. All right, we're back. This is Dr. Scott. He's Matt. And uh, wow, what a uh, what an interview. Good yeah. job, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. It was really a pleasure. They are so mature, so thoughtful. My goodness. At 14 and 11. Yeah, usually, Matt, I think that you're the, the best part of an interview. <laughs> not, not today, man. No, definitely not, not today. Not today. I was thinking about the word embarrass. <laughs> <laughs> Those girls kind of embarrassed you. By well, uh, let me insights. let me say it's yeah. Let me say it differently. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. know, I know. But they're proving the point that you have been making for years, and that is that young people are so capable. We just don't give them the space, right, um, to learn and to explore. Uh, my goodness, listening to these two, I was like, gosh, even the 11 year old, right? I'm like. We need to give that that young lady a lot of space um, at eleven to explore. She, you know, as as we learned, she wasn't sure what she was interested in. But my goodness, imagine what happens when she finds something she's interested in. Well, and then Lily, another impressive young lady at age fourteen, she's the type that I think could absolutely be turned loose to to lead her own learning if she had the space. Uh, and it sounds like she does have the space in this virtual environment. I, I worry a little bit about if and when she goes back to a normal school day, if she's going to have any time to explore. You know, it reminds me, uh, I got into trouble for, uh, for this, uh, but I'll share it with the, uh, with the listeners. Uh, when I was a uh, high school principal, uh, I would uh, call my uh, student council together mm -hmm. and uh, 
you know, traditionally the student council, uh, they, they worked on homecoming dances and fundraisers yeah, right. and stuff like that. Uh, I wrote, I asked each one, one of them to write down five things that they wanted to see me do uh, to lead the school. Hmm. And uh, I uh, accumulated those and they became sort of my marching orders. How now, interesting. When the, yeah, when the faculty found about, uh, out about this, they had a fit. And uh, I remember uh, at a faculty meeting, uh, one of the teachers stood up and they said, uh, you know, Van Beck, your problem is you listen to the kids too much. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. So I didn't even say anything. I just stood there and just looked at him. Wow. It's like, yeah, you're right. I do listen to the kids too much. Well, Scott, you know, me, for, for me, for, for me, Matt, like everyone says that parents are our customers. Uh, I think they're kind of like semi customers, mm. but real customers mm. are the kids. Scott, I'll tell you, you have helped me come a long way. I, I was in a similar mindset that, Hey, the kid's voice doesn't matter. I'm the parent. Let's go. As I have now begun to explore this con- these conversations with kids like Lily and Piper, or my own kids, it is so clear to me that I was I was off base, and uh, we we've got to we've got to engage youth in this process. Parents, of course, are the gatekeeper, but uh, uh, yeah, we've got to get parent uh, kids uh, much more engaged in their own learning. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Are you a Star Wars fan? Of course. You kidding, man? I grew up. Right. I was born in nineteen. So you remember the scene? I can't remember whether uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi comes in. It's after Vader kills him. But he's he's like talking to Luke and he says, let go, Luke. Feel the power of the force. Let, let, let me do it in my Obi-Wan. Oh, no. Let, let go, Luke. Oh, no. Feel the power of the force. Did that sound like Alec Guinness? That's, that sound like uh, Obi-Wan if he came from Iowa. All right, let's get no, to but, the questions. But, no, but that 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 story yeah. is important to what you just said, and yeah. that is the force is the young learner. Mm-hmm. So let go. Yeah. Let go, parents. Let the young learner feel the power of the force, and the power of the force is self-directed learning. Mm. All right. Preach. So real quick, um, what I, I love Laura Eisensee, by the way, she oh, did yeah. the, uh, the original interview. Yep. Uh, is that right? Yeah, yep, that's right. And uh, so what question did you ask the girls that Laura Eisensee didn't? And why do you think Laura didn't ask that question? Mm, great question. Um, so the question that I would point to is the one you probably heard me get kind of animated when I heard it, that heard the answer. And the question was, if you were in charge of your own learning, what would you want to learn about? And the reason I think that Laura may not have asked that question is because she is an education reporter, really a kind of a school focused reporter. And, and she does a great job of that. We though are really focusing on learning and we're focusing on the student and the parent's role in that learning. Um, and so school doesn't matter as much to you and I, right? It's about, it's about, it's all about learning. And as someone who's, you know, t- taught my own kids outside of school, the school context is oftentimes a really poor place to learn, especially given what we just learned from, you know, Lily, who's interested in uh, archaeology and paleontology. 
that 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 interest could explode. But again, I think we're interested in a different outcome. So here's here's the big game. Yep. Uh, this was in the Texas Tribune. Um, I think uh, last week. Mm-hmm. Here's the tie. Uh, the uh, headline: High failure rates fuel calls to return Texas students to classrooms. Mm. I saw that. Boy, I tell you, when I when I read that, I yeah. thought to myself, are are they actually thinking that the reason why kids are failing is because they're not in a classroom? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's like, that's that's, that's crazy. The, uh, yeah, well that's the that's the mindset shift, right? That's that's what you're advocating. You're advocating for a different way of looking at this. So what, how does, what is, what is, where, what would you say is the, is the point or the reason for students that are not learning right now? Uh, you know what I thought when I read the article, mm-hmm. lack of relationships. Hmm. So, so school districts are compliant based. Yeah. You have to come to school because by God, we passed a law that says that if you don't come to school, we're going to go after your parents. Hmm. Right. We're going to take your parents to court because you're not, you have to come to school. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so there is no relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Like when, when those people make the calls back home, kids answer the phone and, and I like, I, I'm guessing they might say, who are you? I don't even know who you are. Right. Oh, that's right. You, you, you taught me, you were trying to teach me English. Click. Yeah, so I, I think parents should really question schools that uh, think that, you know, because their kids are not doing well out of school, they have to come back to school because somehow they're going to learn better there. Yeah. Uh, that's a that's a good question, parents, to ask your kids. So if I send you back to school, do you think you're going to learn better? Well, I'd, but, lo- I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear the answer to that. Well, let me let me just... I mean, I think their answer might, well, it's be interesting. Yeah. It'd be interesting to hear the answer, but I think what we're really after is how do we make, how do we create the ideal learning environment? And um, my worry is that some schools will or some kids might say, I'll learn better at school um, because someone's telling me what to learn. And, but that is not an ideal learning environment as anyone, as everyone knows, when you are told what to learn, you do not learn it nearly as quickly or as effectively or as long-term as when you want to learn something and you're now pursuing it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Right on brother. (laughs) Well, he's Corey Booker. I'm Al Frank. No, (laughs) sorry. He's Matt Barnes. I'm uh, Dr. Scott Van Beck. Matt and I want to personally thank all of you for taking the time to listen to the show today. Education game uh, exists to build a world in which parents and their families lead their children to become self-directed learners. In our experience, this type of learning does not happen by accident. It requires intentionality, support, and lots of encouragement. Matt and I would like to help you on this journey and are building an online course to help you navigate this new world. If you're interested in learning more, sign up by going to the Education Games website. That's www. The Education Game, all one word, theeducationgame.com, or by tuning in to our next scheduled webinar, November 7th. We are enrolling the first cohort of parents now with limited participation. The course will be built 
on developing a community of parents and young learners who are working collaboratively toward learning independently. The Education Game is brought to you by Community Health Choice and produced by Pottery Studios. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and learn more about this show at theeducation.com. There you can also sign up for one of our webinars, the next one being November 7th, and even schedule an opportunity to call in to the show to speak with myself or Matt directly. Again, the website is theeducationgame.com. Our guests have been those wonderful girls. Lily and Piper. Lily and Piper Jordan. Awesome. Our executive producer is Bo York, and I've been your host, Dr. Scott Van Beck. I want to thank Matt for uh, his participation today, and we look forward to speaking with you again very soon, right here on The Education Game.